Welcome to the Zen Stoic Path. I have a very special guest here with us today. I have Ulf Schwiekendik, the CEO and founder of Centered, which is actually my favorite software at the moment as it helps me get into a flow state every day in doing my writing. So I have my co-founder of Zen Stoic here, Louis Tatiz. Ulf, welcome to the Zen Stoic Path. It's amazing to have you on here, man. Thank you so much for having me. Super excited. Yeah, we we've been uh, we've been attempting to do this for a while, and <laughs> finally we're here recording. Technology's working and everything. The whole post COVID, post everything, new beginnings. That's right. That's right. So, for those who don't know about Centered, what how would you describe the software to people? Because the way that I describe it is, it's just my my way of getting the flow state. It's something that basically enhances my productivity and makes sure that I really dive deep into the pro, uh, to, into the process. So how would you describe Centered and how did you come up with the idea? Yeah, so, so with Centered, we're trying to help you to be more productive. And by, by a couple of very simple things, by helping you get into the zone that what we call flow, you know, that feeling of, I'm sure if you haven't been in an airplane and opened your laptop, and you realize how quickly that flight went by because you were super into the zone. There were zero distractions. There was most of the time no or lousy internet on the plane. And you could get really deeply focused on one task at a time. And that type of feeling we're trying to build again was centered. It's, it's a web app. It's a desktop app. You can use it while you work on your computer to listen to focus music while you work that kind of rings that Pavlovian bell to remember, okay, this is like me working. And mm -hmm. this is a very specific music that gets you not distracted, that doesn't have any vocals, it follows a certain beat pattern, music that helps you get into flow. That followed with like a pretty opinionated idea of how people should work by doing one thing at a time. We also call it monotasking. So you say you want to have a writing session for the next hour and that's all you do. So centered monitors your application usage during that time while you work. And with our coaches, they are all virtual, they are all recorded. They will come in and give you announcements of you've been working for 10 minutes for half an hour, but they will also come in and remind you when you get distracted that you're actually getting distracted. So if you go to Twitter a coach or coach Sammy, for instance, would come in and tell you, hey, social media can wait until, you know, you're done with your task. Mm -hmm. And that alone helps you to get your work done much quicker, stay in flow for longer. And at the end of the day, makes you a much happier person because we spent so much time context switching between things. And that is lost time. Whenever you context switch, you actually lose the threat and to get your threat back it'll take you some time so you feel like i'm sure we all had this so i'm sure you guys had that too where you spend eight hours in a work day trying to get work done and you're like what did i do in the last eight hours because you just like you know there was an email that came in a phone call and mm -hmm. you just like went from like a to b back to a and then you try to write some code or you write try to write something and you just couldn't get anything for real done and and you cannot remember at the end of the day how, where that time went what are your thoughts on the prerequisites of entering into flow state um I, you describing your app i think it captures 
the ambiance um, and yeah. the, the positive reinforcement that'll help you break out of some of those habits that um, unintentionally form through social media and, you know, where society is today. But what would you say are some prerequisites to help you get into flow state? Me, for example, I know when I try to get into flow state, it's really around the intentionality of my day, understanding before I do anything, what it is I'm trying to do. Yeah, so there, there are different concepts around this. And I'd actually love to hear from you what, what your part is before you actually go and enter into the deep work. So hmm. why don't we start with yours? And then I'll give you a little bit of like my spiel of like what I do personally, what some of our users do, what I can recommend. Yeah, so I'll start with a little bit of background into myself. Um, some of our fans may have heard from earlier podcasts or from social media. So I love all things related about trying to bring the best version of yourself every day. And I spent a lot of time thinking through about how could I improve my workflow? How could I act with more intentionality? And how can I minimize the parts of myself that came through habits and just came through my biology that disallow me from sometimes achieving what I want to achieve? So for me, it really starts with the night before or first thing in the morning. Um, and this, for me, it's more about the ritual than the actual, uh, like what the details are. So when I start my day or when I'm planning for my day, first I take a deep breath, um, get into like a meditative state, uh, try to just feel as relaxed as possible. And then I put down the hours and 30 minute increments on a piece of paper. Um, and I try to think about my day thematically. So, you know, if I'm working on the business, um, I'll find let's say a two hour chunk that's for the business. I'll space it out before I think about my professional job, put four or five hours there. Um, I budget and prioritize uh, some of my essentials. So things like every day I try to walk 30 minutes with my son. Every day I try to read at least 30 pages of something. Um, every day I try to learn for 30 minutes. So I'll do the time blocking on my right and on my left, prioritizing top down, I'll put my habits that are essential and I cap them at three. What are the three most important things that does not matter what I do, but if I do them in some way, I'll be a better version of myself. I can show up as a better version. So that's some form of exercise, some form of education, and some form of like spiritual family time, something that just makes me feel gratitude. Then I'll cap my bullets or like my tasks for the day. Um, never more than five, but I'll start with the three that are most important to me. So I'll do that. Um, and then I'll just map them over to my to the times of the day. And um, I'll leave a little bit of space because throughout the day, things come up. And what I found it is not about when things come up, it's not about getting them done, but it's about offloading them off my head so that I could have the clarity from when I'm trying to get into a flow state. So sometimes as tasks come up, I'll just jot them down and forget about them. And that's enough to allow me to continue the flow of the work that I'm trying to do. Um, and then I use the the time blocking is just a gentle reminder when I when it's okay to context switch and to remind myself that I don't need to context switch just because I got an email because professional work is three hours from now and that's when it'll be appropriate to do that. So, you know, that's usually how it goes. Um, what I found very interesting about, uh, about Centered is the gentle reminders because one thing that I'm not great at is throughout the day, I'll start deviating from my plan. Um, so it's, it's an exercise of like how disciplined can I be? And I always try to find ways of like removing the discipline and just making it happen effortlessly. Absolutely. 
Super, super, super interesting. I mean, there's, I think the most important thing to remember, and if you're like listening to this, to remember that every single person has a different style to get into flow. And while it's great to listen to other people, what works for them, your first quest is to figure out what works for yourself. And it they can be, again, like what you do, like write three important things down that you want to do. I do that per week, personally. I say, these are the three most important things I need to tackle this week. And I've, if I get them done, I feel accomplished and happy. And I love that you split it up between like your professional development and your spiritual development and time with your family. I cannot stress enough, especially when you're an entrepreneur and you're like trying to move your company forward, you forget about how important it is to work on yourself all the time. If you're a CEO, that is the one thing that makes you be a better boss, be a better leader to understand how you work, how you interact with people and what you could be doing better. Um, in terms of productivity, again, there are there's the GTD method, getting things done method, super important in my mind. It works really well for me to just note everything down that comes to my mind all the time. Write it in a book, whatever works for you. Um, some people need to be having something tangential. So like to actually like touch a pen and write it down to really feel like it's moving from your brain through your hand out on paper and then it's done. Some others love to use an app for that. We're providing features for that. But, but again, it, none of this is essential. Essential is to be on that quest that works for you and replace pieces over time that don't fit quite right. Can you use the, like the three stones method or um, it's like one of the like bigger ones that you can read up on. Um, we provide a lot of videos in our app and on our YouTube channel that are like super short bite-sized minute, minute and a half videos where you can just get the vast ideas of productivity down and see, oh, oh, this is something interesting for me to like play with. And then some others, you're just like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I need this. This, this seems like too structured. I love calendaring. I love time boxing. I think it's essential. In short, if you can commit to something and you can get that done, what you commit, that is like the easiest thing you can start with. Just start something really, really small and say, I'm going to do this email and just do this email. I'm going to research this new account and just this account. And I'm going to write these 300 words and nothing but that. That's a really easy start. That's, that's really interesting because I mean, when talking about these philosophies with Zen and Stoicism, they have a lot of parallels relating to this idea of doing one thing at a time and being yeah. very present in the process of what you're doing. Like I know in Marcus Aurelius meditations, he talks about if you want tranquility, do less, but do it better. And in Zen, there's this whole idea of focusing on the process or, you know, following through on what you've committed to doing. Like there's this Zen story that I always like where, this monk, he rushes into the monastery and he's like, he's like, master, please teach me, blah, blah, blah. And he, and he's like, just, you know, eat your food. And so he eats his food and then he goes, he goes, okay, I'm done with my food. Can you teach me? And the master says, have you washed your bowl? 
And then the monk is enlightened because it's this whole lesson of following through and being present to the process. Uh, what I think is really interesting about productivity, and I'm, I'm very curious to hear your take on this, is that a lot of people view productivity as just, just knocking tasks out, just checking off the box and getting as much done as you possibly can with little emphasis on presence in the process or loving the process, as you know, some people might say. What is your take on the importance of being present in the process of what you're doing and the meaning that you're associating to your work? Yeah, it, it's super, super important. I love those, I love those parallels as well. Um, for, for anybody who doesn't know, my background is twofold. My background is in engineering and in, in UX design. And uh, similar flows of how you work in those professions like you, you get into flow, you want to stay there, you want to get your task done, you want to get your feature implemented, you want to get your bug fixed, you want to get your screen flow done, um, whatever you need to do. But uh, you're right, the most important part is that you love what you're doing. And guess what, sometimes there are just things that you still need to knock out that are important like we do have to pay our bills. Like we do have to, you know, go through our emails at least, you know, probably for me, it's like twice a day that I want to go there and say, okay, I'm going to do emailing right now. But if you at least in that, in that way, say I'm feeling accomplished by just knocking yet another piece out, that is great. Different type that it's kind of like, it's called a shallow work. Like, the, to me personally, what is like as accomplishing, however, is deep work. It's really thinking deeply about a problem or implementing, you know, something that our team designed and, and go really deep into that and kind of use that as like a reward for all the like shallow work that just had to happen. The other, the other important piece is like finding out what really needs to happen? Do I really need to respond to this email right now? Do I really have to pay this bill right now? Can somebody else do that? Do I have support in my team with my partner um, that can actually help me do some of the things that are less important to me right now? It's very easy as like an, an early founder to say, I can do it all. I need to do everything at the same time. We do not have money to waste on uh, on assistance and whatsoever and it really like changed my mind once I learned that that I can actually focus on a little bit more that that really matters that for instance pushes a company forward or pushes a product forward and do a little bit less of admin time than it actually was worth like the money spent on help it's like less but better and I think that's where intentionality becomes very important uh, so I, I had a question too, or I'd like to get your, your opinion on this. So oftentimes when me and Victor are talking about productivity, mindfulness, philosophy, um, a place where me and him diverge is um, Victor is really talented about thinking about things in the abstract, right? Like the theory and how they apply and chaining them together to come up with new and creative ideas. I have a fiance and I have a two-year-old at home. Uh, I work a full-time job and then I help, you know, run Zen Stoicism um, as, you know, the business that I'm most impassioned about working on. Yeah. So my time and my capacity is very limited. So uh, how I think about flow, how I enter flow, how I think about my environment, my practices, I'm always trying to improve them because 
my time, all of our time is very precious. Um, I, I often find myself in less than ideal circumstances for getting into flow state. Um, so I was wondering, what's your, what's your opinion on, you know, when, you know, when we think of social media as being the distractor, I think tooling becomes very important to help alleviate that. But we think about how our environment can impact our flow state. I'm wondering what, what your opinion on that is. And then I'm even willing to share how, how I view and how I work through that um, to help me maintain a flow state. I'd love to hear yours too. Yeah. Um, for, for me, it's, it's actually quite simple. I'm in the same boat. I'm, I'm, I'm having a family. I'm having actually a two month old. Um, so things are, thank you. Things are as crazy as you can think, uh, as you can imagine. Um, but then intentionality is even more important. Um, and especially being okay with your plans changing throughout the day and being reactive to those, especially if you have small children, they turns out they, they don't care about your calendar. They do not care <laughs> about, you know, and I have my stand up at 10 a.m. And, you know, sometimes a feeding takes longer, sometimes a feeding takes less long. Just being very, relaxed about this being really good at communicating to people you work with around this that rely on you that sometimes things just don't turn out the way they do and on the receiving side also know that you know you you had a meeting planned at 2 30 and turns out that person had to nurse their child or, you know, there was an emergency with something else going on to know what your alternative is. I always know in my head, like if we weren't able to record right now, what I could be doing secondary that I can slot in. And it goes like with childcare the same way. Like sometimes I can actually Go to, go to my workplace a little earlier when, you know, the little one is sleeping. That's great. Then I, but I already have something planned for that time. Um, there's, however, like one piece that is super important and that is completely unstructured and, and just free time for me. For me, it's like the drive to the office. It is whatever I want to think about or a podcast I want to listen to. It is completely unstructured. I might call an old friend up. I might just, this is completely a reward for me of like feeling like there's zero structure in something. And that gives me a little bit of like this, okay, we're not just robots, like trying to follow, like, you know, being the robotic self of ours. Like we're still humans and we still need to sometimes just do whatever we want. And if it's doing nothing, that's good too. Yes. That's okay. Yeah. I, I agree with a lot of what you said. You know, I think for me, what I've realized is uh, similarly, um, one thing I realized was every minute that I, I pay into figuring out what's important mindfulness and what's intentional about my day and my week is two or three minutes I get back while my day is going on. Absolutely. Um, that that's already like a big step on trying to maximize the time that I have. And then the accompanying piece is similar to what you were saying is just viewing the interruption from a place of gratitude, understanding, and patience, um, being fluid and flexible and understanding that the world around me uh, can be volatile and can be shifting and not being rigid about, you know, how my day is structured or when things get down. 
the beauty of planning for your day is you've already mapped out what is important to you. So even whether if it gets done first thing in the morning or sometime later in the afternoon, at least you've identified the area that needs your focus when your focus is available. Um, so I, like those are our are, are big wins. Um, and then the other thing that you mentioned that I want to just echo is the importance of unstructured time. Every, I made this commitment to myself and I've gotten better over time at, at, at honoring it. But every day at five, I stop working. It does not matter if the company I work for is burning down. I usually read that as, as a sign of where in our, in our structure and our philosophies on our team are we inefficient at that a situation occurred where people have to be you know, on call or something happens where we have to work later than what we would like to within our team culture. So usually those are signals that we can improve something. But what, what I've done for myself is at five until bedtime, it's unstructured, it's family time. I don't know what my son wants to do that day, but we're gonna do that. Um, and you know, every once in a while, if the situation allows it, I, I, I'll work. Or I, But the idea is that work isn't prescriptive. It's I'm feeling inspired to write some code. I'm feeling inspired uh, to write an article with Victor. And, you know, the my, my home situation is allowing that at the moment. So I'm just going to go do some work. And there's just something about the quality of that work that is brought by inspiration versus, you know, because I put it on my calendar and I'm trying to stop what I'm doing. So that's a, that's a big, big win. And then from a, from a technical perspective, from like, you know, uh, something that has also helped me that anyone can take away that is listening to this podcast is learning. Uh, and you touched on this briefly, learning how to communicate asynchronously. You know, I think we're so used to synchronous communication where if someone responds to us, we don't think about the urgency behind the request. We just feel we need to stop and fulfill the request. But oftentimes, most requests, it's okay to say, hey, can I get back to you in an hour? Or, you know, something happened at home. I need to take a step away. If you don't hear from me within 24 hours, feel free to ping me again, but I'm going to get it to you within 24 hours. Oftentimes, adapting a more synchronous workflow facilitates, you know, the flexibility that you're looking for to have that unstructured time, to have that deep work time, to have that time for intentionality and meditation. Absolutely. I was just applauding to you earlier when you, when you said uh, that you're leaving at, at five every day. I think, especially here in North America, society is broken. I think, and, and it's like trickling into Europe as well these days more and more. Um, but the fact that people brag about and value themselves more that work long hours, that work, you know, investment banker hours, so what, whatever it is that work like 120 hours a week or 100 hours a week, frankly, I think those people don't get more work done. They, they, will, they will kill themselves quicker. Um, they, will, they will not see their kids or their, their kids' kids grow up. Um, and most likely they won't get more work done. And that is like the interesting piece about flow. I'm, I'm no, sorry. I'm it, like, uh, no, you're absolutely right. The, the gift my son gave me is that he helped me realize how bad I was with my time before he was born. After he was born and I made a commitment to be active and present in his life, um, making 
my my fiance, our son, our dogs, that family time, number one priority for myself uh, made me realize, oh, if I rethink the hours that I am working, I can get more done in that time than when it was spilling over to six, seven and eight o'clock at night. And then interesting enough, I feel better. That feel better uh, improves my health, which gives me more energy. So my ability to focus improves. So the quality of my work improves. So I'm just doing better work with, with those constraints. Absolutely. Constraints have liberated me in ways that just didn't exist when I had an open schedule. Absolutely. And you can, you can take this even a step further. Um, think about all these moments where you pulled a quote unquote all nighter because you were like working on a problem and you just couldn't get the solution to perfectly right. You're like, you know, like you tinker on one end and out of a sudden the other end doesn't work anymore. And you just go in this endless, tired, deep loop. You think you are in flow, by the way. You think you're like connected. You think you're working. You're doing only one thing at a time. And it's the sense of false flow, actually, when you're getting overtired of looking at the same problem for too long. You could have solved a problem, for instance, like a writer's block or a writer's problem, like so much quicker by getting up from your desk, by doing some stretches, by going on a walk, by seeing a beautiful sunset or having dinner with a loved one, and then taking a good night of sleep get some rest, let your brain actually continue to work on that problem. Your brain won't stop. Actively, it does. Passively, it will actually still have some cycles on that problem. So when you do that, you wake up the next morning, you take a shower and you have these, what people call shower moments. You're shower. Just like, oh my God, <laughs> like this is, this is what I needed. This is the solution to this problem. Let me run over to my computer and like type that out. And within minutes, you get to the same solution that would have taken you all night, maybe even all morning, a wasted next day because you're overtired. It is so important to take breaks. And guess what? I think we, we want to start bragging about how little we work or we start even better. We start bragging about how much impact we have with the time we spend on work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that, that's, it's really interesting because I feel like today we try to give ourselves too much credit for what we can control. And the reality is we control very little. We control what we pay attention to and how we choose to respond to things, but we don't really control the outcomes that we're trying to manifest in our heads. Sometimes a lot of things that are not within our direct ability to actually influence right now in the moment are affected by things that are unconscious. Like for instance, like you were saying, your brain keeps working passively in the background. And I noticed that when you're in flow, it not just when you're doing your work, when you're in flow, just in life, like you're enjoying spending time with your family, you're enjoying spending time with your friends. Sometimes things in life that you never asked for come into your life and they end up being better than anything you could have possibly planned for. Like when it comes to friendships, like I didn't think to myself like, Oh, I hope I meet my best friend <laughs> you know, while, while I'm in school, but these things happen and they're, they're not in your control. They're not even things that you plan for, but something was working in the background. You were in a flow, you were being yourself. You were, you were present to whatever was going on in that moment and problems get solved, things, blessings in your life come in, come into being. And it's 
a big part of it, I think, is letting go of this idea that you can control everything. And just allowing those serendipitous moments to to happen. That is that is like the the very interesting, you know, contradiction of planning out your day and like being in flow and doing one thing at a time. There's a time and place for that, but there's also a time and place in like social gatherings and whatnot to allow things that weren't planned, like going from like one party to another because a bunch of people went there, just mm. letting that happen and not feeling like, no, I made a commitment. I need to just do one specific thing. I think serendipitous moments are the moments we strive for in our lives. That is like what, as you said, that we make new friendships, we have startup ideas, we have all sorts of things that we didn't think we would ever be able to do or think about, but we have to allow them to come in and we have to kind of set up our whole like spirituality, our whole like mindfulness practice around inviting these moments in and the more you're open and inviting them in the more come to you Mm -hmm. yeah it's a it's a really interesting concept because it while it's important to be intentional and kind of set the the direction on certain outcomes being mindful about allowing that space like you're saying is just as important like it's it's like somebody going to the gym and lifting weights your muscles not built in the gym. It's built when you're recovering, when you're yep. eating, when you're sleeping kind of thing. And it's like, that's what that blank space is for. It's the recovery of your mind and your spirit to be reinvigorated by what's important in life. The, uh, the intangibles, if you will. But you got to go to the gym in order to get there. That's right. And that is like the very important part. And you don't go in the gym and like check Facebook all time, all day long. You'll actually have to do the exercises. Mm-hmm. If you do the exercises, even just 50 minutes a day or whatsoever, that is enough. And that kind of goes with like flow and deep work. If, if you commit to it, even just for an hour or two every day, no matter what your job is, you will have some deep work time. If you're a writer or you're a manager, you will have to do some deep work time. You have to put the time in, in order to get, you know, like the back of your brain continue to spin. Exactly. And it reminds me of like, you know, what I've found when I try to enter flow or when I reflect on flow is that a realization that I had is, you know, goals are important, but I've always found goals to be directional. So when I have a goal, I use it as a North star and then I almost throw it away. And then I just invest in the process of allowing flow in my everyday life to just continue moving forward. And then I often find a side effect of just going through the process and making sure I'm in flow and caring about the things that I'm doing day by day, those goals become achieved. And then even new, better, newer goals come out of that. So it's, you know, I, I find like something when I speak with my peers is they, we, we get, they get fixated on the outcome of a goal. And, you know, it's about how can I achieve the goal and you almost lose or underinvest on the process that would take you to see that goal be a side effect of your work. And I found by just letting the goal set the direction, but then letting flow take you there, you end up reaching there significantly quicker. And then you end up realizing new and more exciting goals that come much, up. Much more meaningful goals. Much yes. Meaningful, yeah. Just, just, you always have to remember that your personality, your life, your work, everything is an iteration mm-hmm. and you do need goals in order to go into a certain direction. But every once in a while, 
new pathways open up that you haven't even seen because you haven't been walking that path. Mm -hmm. So that, that goal you wanted to go to will change constantly. But again, that doesn't mean you don't have a goal. It just means you have short little sprints of where you go to. And then you reevaluate, is this still the like goal that I want to hit? Is it still like meaningful in my life? Is this piece of work still really meaningful? Is this book going into that direction that I wanted that book to go into? And I'm sure, Victor, it, it's not. Um, I think the process is, you know, guiding you along to, to what you actually wanted to write, right? Absolutely. I, I mean, the book that I'm writing now for Zen Stoic, it was an accident. I didn't intend to start writing a book. I, I wanted to think through what is Zen Stoic philosophy? <laughs> and in thinking through it, it just poured out of me and started becoming the beginnings of a book. And so that's one of those scenarios that it wasn't the goal there. The goal was to think through something, but then again, uh, a new goal is inspired from that. Now I have a goal to actually turn this into a book. So sometimes you don't know where it's going to go, but I believe in following that first step of inspiration and seeing what it opens up to. Now, one thing that I'm very curious about that this conversation's bringing up in my mind is I feel like a lot of people want to pendulum swing to one or the other in terms of like, it's all about the goals and the outcomes, or it's all about the process. And they want to swing to one of those things. And in Zen Stoicism, we talk about this a lot. This is a delusional intent of expediency. In other words, like I want to soothe the uncertainty and discomfort of what I need to put my, my stock in or what I need to put weight into. So it's either all about this or it's all about that. And there's no in between. What is your opinion on that? And how do you kind of wrestle with that for yourself? Yeah, I think specifically in the last couple of years, the world has been turning into a binary world right? You're either on the right, you're on the left. There's like, there's no center anymore. There's no, uh, you're either into social media or you're not, uh, or you're like the biggest opponent of it. There's no like healthy path in between and taking pieces of each direction and, and moving forward. And it goes again into what is like, what are these big companies doing to us? And it's not just politicians. Like what is Twitter and Facebook doing to us? Like, why are we doom scrolling Instagram all day long? Because we think it's, it's entertaining. No, it's because an algorithm was developed that basically cheats our brain into releasing endorphins all day long and, and wanting to stay in there. So I think, again, the first step is realizing that you're being cheated. Yes. It's like realizing you're living in the matrix, right? <laughs> um, and, and letting that go and, and finding your own ways, thinking about your own ways, meditating about your own ways, surrounding yourself with people that are not binary either, that are not just thinking left or right is super important too slowly convincing more and more of your surroundings that there are different ways of thinking in general is super, super important. Don't get me wrong. Again, there's, there are pieces that you then do and say you're like, again, like to like turn this into what, what we do at center. We're super opinionated there. Mm -hmm. We are very, very binary in some ways in ways of saying, 
there's one way you should be working. You should be working on one thing at a time mm-hmm. because it's been a proven, a scientifically proven way of helping you to get more work done, be happier and so on and so forth. Now, does this transform to the rest of your life? No. Do we want to make, a, do we want to make assumptions that that's the rest of your life you have to live like that? No. So we're, we're trying to not, you know, push everything into life is not that simple life is just not that simple to say you know like oh you just have to you know put all your stock in apple and and you know you'll be fine have you found you probably will be fine but (laughs) but, have um, you found that um for your users i would imagine that the answer would be yes but i want to know your opinion do you imagine for your users uh if they sign up through your membership and they get access to your platform and they commit to it, let's say for three months, four months, and then they end up for whatever reason, deciding that, you know, they're going to move on from, from the tool. Do you find that a lot of the things that the tool facilitated for them becomes habits that stick that applies for their life moving on? Yes. And no, I think there are, and we talk to uh, basically everybody who unsubscribes from us um, at some point, like in, in one way or the other. Um, most of them I'll call up personally still myself. It's just so valuable to learn why somebody is not using your service anymore and whatnot, especially in the productivity space where we're at. There's so much movement. A lot of people are trying to look for solutions without wanting to build habits. So you go, you try an app, say you install Asana and you fill it up with your brain. And that's great. Like you're kind of stuck into Asana. No, that's what they want. That's hopefully giving you value. And three months down the line, it's so overwhelming what you see in there. It's non-structured out of a sudden you're, you're saying, well, there must be something better like that helps me structure this data. And you churn and you leave that platform and you go somewhere else. And that kind of is a pattern for anybody who uses productivity software. So for a productivity software maker, we have to make sure to help you form a real habit that you can use to apply to your life. And yes, there's a lot of times people either love this concept of monotasking and just said, it's like, look, like I'm just going to do this myself and I'm just going to do it with like a certain different tool. Or it is just us failing to help you to get even in the beginnings of that habit. And then it just turns into, oh yeah, there's this thing that I sometimes use to, you know, write. And it, I guess it's helping me, but there are these 20 other Facebook ads of writing software that tell me, you know, I should try them. Maybe I'll try some others. And so it's like an endless cycle of giving your credit card to yet another person um, for a little bit. And, and you're actually just on the path of wanting to be productive and never getting to the path of actually productive. So what we're usually asking our users and luckily we, with our, with our new version of the software, it is, it is free. You don't even have to give us your card. There are certain things, if you want to use them in a certain way, you have to give us some money. But uh, the basics of our software is free. 
And so we are asking now very specific, like our users to try this and see how it, they can build it into their lives. We interview a lot of our users and see how are they into building it into our lives. We are like an early startup. So we for sure haven't figured everything out yet, but we will because we're talking to so many people and having these super interesting conversations like with you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, what I think is interesting, Wolf, is that, and something that we talked about offline before this, this podcast even started, but you're very intentional about kind of bringing humanity into anything that you design and bringing that kind of like human emotional aspect that it's not just about, like you were saying, it's not just creating a solution because if somebody's just going for the solution, not realizing that the way they're doing something or the habits that they have around the problem are actually the cause of what the symptoms that they're experiencing. So what, what is your style of designing software? Like what, what's your intention behind it? Cause I know you were talking about it before and I, I found it fascinating. Um, if you could share that. Yeah, so I, I call the way we're building software emotional software. What does that what does it mean? Emotional software to me is two pillars. Amazing technology that hasn't been put in a way together, like it has been put together in a way that is for, for us the like little little bit pieces of magic are um, our coaches, our tracking of what you do in a in a very privacy focused way, in a like we're not sharing your data. We don't even really look at what you do, but we understand your patterns and can help you with great technology to notify you when you're getting distracted. Then the other big pillar is amazing content. And amazing content as like great coaches, well-researched music. Only if you marry these two things together, you're out of a sudden designing for your software for emotions. How can we, when we think of when you complete a task, we're having long brainstorms about like, how do, you, how do we, we want you to feel? And what do we need to design in terms of technology and content together to make you feel delighted or relieved or whatever it is that the term is that we want to design for. And we'll write out a story around what we want you to feel before we write a piece of software. It's very interesting. You're starting with the emotion first. So that one reason that I find that to be interesting is because something that I talk about a lot on this podcast is this idea that there's a lot of people especially those who are kind of starting out learning about stoicism. They think that it means like (laughs) kind of push your emotions to the side and don't worry about them. When the reality is this entire world (laughs) runs on emotions, (laughs) even when you're being logical, really that what gives your logic significance is the emotional impact that it has. (laughs) So what, I mean, what are your thoughts on this, this idea of, I mean, people pushing emotions to the side, which they think, ties into what you were saying earlier about us being in this world of constant distraction. Well, again, um, I think there's, if you think of binary again, you're either having like completely an emotional being that is completely guided by any thought that comes to them, by any emotion that comes to them. And then there's like, you know, the, the robot, the, the person that just 
doesn't have any the sheldon cooper of the big bang theory yes right? <laughs> you, you, you know the the person that just works purely based on logic or like the spock from star trek right that like the, the person that purely works on logic mm-hmm. and and lives their life that way um i i am closer personally on the emotional side where i learn to tag my emotions it's one of the like early like works of you know learning how to meditate how to be more mindful it's you know allowing an emotion to come in to tag it identify it don't actually approach it and emotions are this graph um, that that the emotion rises it peaks and it passes every single emotion does that and it's so interesting to remind yourself when you're super pissed when you're super happy that this is just a peak in time it will never last none of them will do and some which is good and bad it can be you know you can be greedy and want always happiness uh or you you can be happy that uh that a very sad sorrow like emotion doesn't last forever um heartbreak doesn't last forever it's a very strong emotion that can peak many many times but it will subside again and the more you tack an emotion, the more you just don't approach it directly and just see it from like a third party, you'll, you'll learn how to live with your emotions and use them to your advantage. Mm-hmm. So I think there's like, again, it's like we're bringing the left and right side together yes. and say, oh, I want to feel happy, but or I want to actually experience a sad moment right now. Mm-hmm. Or you learn how to you know, tag it and let it pass quicker that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a, it's a very interesting way to look at it, to tag your emotions. And I haven't thought of it that way, but it, it makes a lot of sense because it's not a denial of them, but it's also not a total identification with your emotions and getting fully associated and thinking that you are anger or you are sadness or that you are excitement or joy but rather realizing that these things ebb and flow through you and they'll pass eventually. They're not going to stick to you forever. And what one thing that I think is interesting about that is in Zen, there's not a lot of definitive statements of like, this is the truth. Zen usually finds its wisdom through questions, but they do have one definitive statement and it's that everything changes. And like you were saying, that can be heartening or it can be disheartening <laughs> either way. None of these feelings are going to last forever and they're going to ebb and flow through everyday life. And it's what you make out of it. Right. Again, it like just like goes back into understanding that everything in life is an iteration. Like you are like an iteration of yourself. Like this podcast was an iteration of our thoughts. And I'm sure you will ask different questions next time we talk and I'll give you different answers next time we talk based on (laughs) the answers we just gave each other. So that is like the most important part to remember in my mind that everything is, is a state that just transitioned from the present into the past and we cannot change it anymore. Mm -hmm. It just kind of become the wakes of our ship now going. Yeah, absolutely. For all of our fans that are going to listen to this podcast, um, who have been, you know, we're grateful that they made it to this point of the podcast. Where can they find your app? Where can they download their app? Where can they learn more about flow in general and centered? Yeah, so we have 
a great resource of articles about mindfulness and productivity on our blog. It's all under www.center.app. That is our website. That's where you can try out our product. That's where you can download our Chrome extension, download our desktop application. Um, that's where you can talk to us directly. Um, I am Solf, S-U-L-F, on Twitter. Anybody who tweets me mentioning your podcast will get a little surprise from us. So just let me know if you're interested in getting something <laughs> else. Lewis wants a surprise. <laughs> we, have a, we have a very mindful little present that, uh, that we like to give out to our early users, and I'm sure you'll love it. Excellent. Excellent. Well, yeah, I've, I know I've definitely enjoyed some of the prizes. I, I do love this shirt. It's it's very soft and, <laughs> and it's well-designed too. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but remember everyone, if you download the app, you know, all centered is asking initially it's free. So you start using it um, is to just commit to the process for some time and let flow take its course. The most, thank you so much for saying that the most important part is you do not have to work for eight hours a day on in deep work and flow, but just imagine in, just imagine a world where we would be working an hour a day where everybody in this world would be using their brain for something useful in deep work and flow for one hour a day, how much this world would have been changing already how much new interesting ideas would come to come out of this how many solutions to or cures to to diseases would would come up if we all combined as a collective use our brain for something useful and just doom scroll a little less even though it's so entertaining on you know <laughs> any of these social media applications they're not good for you mm-hmm. Doesn't matter how funny it is. <laughs> Doesn't matter how funny it is. Sadly, sadly. Yeah. Well, you know, in your flow break, I'm sure you can spend five minutes looking at cute cat pictures. Exactly. <laughs> so I have one last question before we wrap up. Ulf. I usually ask this in some variation on uh, with each guest that we have on the podcast. But it, obviously, you've learned a lot through your journey. Like you were saying, everything is an iteration of yourself, you know, a past version of yourself. If you were to you know, have the misfortune where you kind of forget everything that you've learned, but you can keep one principle, what would that be for you? Oh, that's a great question. I think the biggest principle that I have is that we are a constant iteration of ourselves and that I have to remind myself that the state I'm in is not the state I'll be next week and next month. And that is the most exciting piece of life that you're always moving forward and you're always becoming a better version. And you can be wrong every single day as long as you're not wrong the same way again. That's beautiful. I like that. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Awesome. We'll have to do it again sometime off. Thank you so much. I'm (laughs) done.